Warning, the following show contains explicit language. Certain people should not listen to this show, such as children and panty-waist adults who cry like 12-year-old little girls when they hear profanity. Welcome, my friends, to the Dr. Reality Podcast. I'm Dave Champion. We've all seen a lot of really bad journalism over the last few years, and especially over the last 18 months. And I want to highlight a particular story that it's really easy to take a look at what the author says and see how utterly corrupt and uninformed the information is. The article I want to highlight was written by a <clears throat> journalist by the name of Sarah Chodash. Chodash. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. She's with Popular Science, and she wrote a hit piece on keto. Now, because I cannot pronounce her last name or don't know, know how to pronounce it correctly, I'm just going to refer to her whenever I have to discuss her as Sarah. I'm going to put on my reading glasses now for those of you who are on video because I'm going to read quite a few of the things she had to say so you can see how absolutely nutty journalists can be when they don't do their homework, they don't do their research, they don't act like journalists. The opening of her hit piece on ketosis reads... The ketogenic diet didn't start as a weight loss method. It was a treatment for epileptic kids, one of the few that worked. And that's true. A hundred years ago, <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. I mean, if you just want to throw something in there for the sake of perspective, that's fine. Yeah, that's a hundred years ago. Furthermore, the fact that the ketogenic diet was first brought to the attention of the medical community in order to assist in treating children with epilepsy when no other treatments of that era worked, what does that have to do with the subsequent discoveries we've made about weight loss and the generic and wonderful health attributes of keto? The fact that it was done for something else 100 years ago, yeah, unimportant. The next nutty thing she says is, normally your body runs on carbs. Breaking down complex strings of carbon and hydrogen into smaller molecules is how your body fuels everything from leg muscles to brain matter. This is why a perfectly healthy diet can contain so many carbs. You need them. That is a complete 100% false statement. The human body requires zero carbohydrates to exist. There are essential amino acids that you have to have, and there are essential fatty acids that you have to have. There are no essential carbs whatsoever. I wonder why someone who knows absolutely nothing about human physiology is writing a story that pertains completely to human physiology. Then <laughs> she goes here. When you shift to a diet that's almost entirely fat, you're forcing your body into what is essentially starvation mode. Okay, so with this, oh my God, she is repeating an absolutely ridiculous myth that is easy to be disproven and has been disproven time and time again by anyone with a brain. This is what I mean by really incredibly poor journalism. I'm going to talk more a little bit about this whole carbs and calories and starvation thing here in a minute. The next goofy thing she says is, deprived of its main fuel source, your body shifts into ketosis, which is when you turn your fat stores into ketone bodies. Okay, so not physiologically factual. Hey, there's a big surprise, right? She says that when the body is deprived of its 
main fuel source, and that's when it goes into ketosis. However, I think it's really important, by the way, she means by main fuel source carbohydrates. I think it's really important to understand that the cells, the 100 trillion cells in your body, they don't want to burn glucose for energy. Uh, You've been forcing them to do that. You eat carbs. You eat a lot of carbs, speaking to the average American. And that drives blood glucose level up, 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 up. Insulin comes in. I'm not going to go through the whole process. Insulin is then created by the pancreas, and it does some of the things, and it signals the liver to do things. But one of the things it does is it tells the cells, open up. And then it shoves glucose into the cells. And then it says, close that and incinerate that. And get that garbage out of the blood because high glucose in the blood is toxic to the tissues of the body. So burn that shit. Incinerate it. Get it out of us. And somehow that abnormality has become the normal understanding, the wrong understanding, but the uh, predominant understanding has been that that's how our bodies are meant to operate. No, the con- what I call in body science, the conscious occupant forces the body to do that. The body doesn't ever want to burn glucose for energy, ever. It wants to burn predominantly fatty acids and to a lesser extent ketone in the body. It has no interest in glucose when it's functioning the way the body is genetically coded, which is ketosis. Two sentences later, she says... Having ketone bodies instead of glucose in the brain might be why this diet works for epileptic people, and breaking down body fat makes it appealing to all the fad dieters. Let's look at the second part of her statement first. Breaking down body fat makes it appealing to all fad dieters. Now she's got me confused. Wouldn't breaking down excess body fat and getting rid of it be something anyone who's interested in a healthy body would want to do? As to her assertion that it is the fact that ketone bodies are fueling the brain cells when you're in ketosis that is beneficial to epileptics. Well, yeah, ketones are a dramatically better, cleaner, more efficient, more effective, more, uh, if we were to equate this to fuel in your engine, it has a higher octane level by far than glucose. There's everything good about feeding your brain, uh, feeding the cells of your brain ketones to consume for energy and nothing good about feeding those cells glucose. That's just the physiological reality of it. So yeah, it is beneficial. But here's the thing. It's not beneficial just to epileptics. Obviously, that equation is beneficial to everyone. And I want to mention the benefits derived for people who are epileptic from being in ketosis. It's not dependent on the keto diet like you see on a gazillion websites. Hey, man, this is how you do the keto diet. I mean, that's all well and good, but that's not necessary for somebody who's an epileptic. If, say, they wanted to do carnivore, which keeps them in ketosis, as long as their body is in ketosis, they're going to continue as an epileptic to get the benefits. It has nothing to do with how you stay in ketosis. It's that you do stay in ketosis. Here we go again with a nutty starvation claim. If you're doing keto for weight loss, the idea is that you're trying to constantly keep your body in a mild state of starvation such that you're burning off fat all the time. Okay, so no, (laughs) that is 100% wrong. There's nothing about burning fat in ketosis that has anything remotely to do with the word starvation. What you're seeing right now is a screenshot that I 
grabbed from, I don't know, a day or two ago on the app where I keep track of all my macros and my calories. And as you can see, ah, 3,667 calories, hardly starvation, 275 grams of protein, 289 grams of fat, and yeah, zero grams of carbs. Those numbers may be shocking to some people who are unfamiliar with ketosis, and in particular, I keep my body in ketosis via eating carnivore. That's where those numbers come from. And it might be interesting for people to know that here in a few weeks, I'm going to be 62 years old, and I don't know, six or eight weeks ago, I had a coronary calcium score scan, say that three times fast, which is considered the platinum standard for determining your risk of heart disease. And obviously, you want to be zero. People have been scored, at least in the facility that I went to, they've been scored all the way up to 6,500. Doctors typically become concerned around three, maybe 400. When you read the literature, it says 100 should get your attention. But yeah, like I said, doctors don't pay much attention to at least 300. My score was zero eating what the vast majority of the American public would consider a massive amount of fat and a massive amount of protein, and oh my God, zero carbs. When you have zero carbs, you die, right? Because you need carbs. And of course, claiming it's some sort of weird starvation thing is just nutty, because starvation implies you don't have calories. So there's no need for keto or carnivore or any of these mechanisms by which you stay in ketosis. You can take ketosis and throw it out the window if you want to talk about starvation, because you can eat exactly the same things that you're ordinarily eating right now. Just eat, say, for the sake of starvation, eat 80% less of everything than you've been eating. Guess what that is called? Starvation. So if it was about starvation, there is no need for ketosis. The reality of ketosis is you can eat a ton of calories, as do I, and continue to stay healthy and lean and have all the excess body fat just fall off. I'm not sure I get this next thing she's saying. Plenty of dieters see real weight loss results on it as well. As well. Was that in addition to treating epileptics? Continuing. But it's not clear that the decrease in body fat is permanent or that it comes as a result of ketosis itself. Not permanent. Of course not. <laughs> if somebody's a bonehead and they get on keto and they drop all this weight and they go to see their physician and they have blood tests and their weight is down and they're no longer obese and they're no longer type 2 diabetic and they're no, they know their heart disease indicators are way down. Yeah, and if you stop all that and go back to the crappy way you were eating before you got involved in ketosis, yeah, it's not permanent. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. If somebody cut calories on some other kind of diet, if they cut calories, if they starved themselves by reduction in calories, and then they went back to eating the way they were eating, they're going to gain the weight right back. It's not clear that the weight loss is a result of ketosis. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it absolutely is. Uh, Sarah, uh, it's called Science. You might want to read some. You work for a publication called Popular Science. Perhaps she would want to get into some science. Yeah, go ahead. Get yourself a copy of Body Science, my dear. Feed yourself. And then this. Professional nutritionalists think that a lot of the weight loss you see on the keto diet is really just a reduction in total calories. No, that's... <laughs> I showed you my calories. This is total nonsense, right? So apparently these 
professional nutritionalists, nor Sarah can do basic math. And I'm going to run through some with you right now so you understand what I'm saying. The standard American diet is 50% carbs, roughly, I mean, depending on who you talk to, it's somewhere between 45 and 65, but I'm erring to the side of less carbs for the benefit of this illustration, sort of giving Sarah the benefit of the doubt on this, about 50% carbs in the average American diet, and each gram of carbohydrates is four calories. Based on using 3,000 calories a day, a rough U.S. average, there's some dispute about that as well, so I'm sort of slicing right down the middle of the dispute between what is the daily average caloric intake for an American. So we're going to use 3,000. If we use 3,000, then the average American consumes 375 grams of carbs. The standard American diet is also 35% fat at 9 calories per gram at 3,000 calories a day. That's 177 grams of fat. We're going to leave protein out of this analysis because it's not particularly relevant to the point we're trying to make. If we increase fat calories, remember the standard keto diet, 80% fat, 15% protein, 5% or less carbs, right? So if we increase that 35% intake of fat that is part of the standard American diet, we increase it to 80% to do keto, we increase the grams of fat from 177 to 269. 269 grams at 9 calories per gram is 2,400 calories. First of all, that's not starvation. But then when we add the protein and the carbs one would be eating on the keto diet, we come out just a skosh above 3,000. So we're at the same exact calorie count as what is the average daily caloric intake for Americans. But here's the difference. 70% of the U.S. population is overweight. Okay, 70% so here's the difference. The average American is eating 3,000 calories a day, and 70% of them are overweight. You can do keto, or you can do carnivore, whatever it takes for you to get in ketosis. You can eat 3,000 calories a day or more, and you won't be obese, and you won't be overweight, and all your excess body fat will drop away. Golly gee whiz, I wonder which an intelligent person would do. As an aside, in this presentation, I'm not getting even getting into how ketosis literally terminates, literally terminates your odds of getting any chronic disease. Two million Americans die every year of chronic disease in this country, and 1,950,000 of them is by lifestyle choice, right, which means what you're shoving in your mouth brings chronic disease. It kills almost 2 million Americans a year. Compare that to COVID deaths, 600,000 over 18 months. Chronic disease, 2 million every year. You can literally say, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to get chronic disease by living in ketosis. This presentation isn't even looking at that. We're just looking at bad journalism. This next one is <laughs> some real, real kookiness. Popular science? Really? I don't know who's in charge, but they should make sure that their writers actually, I don't know, have something to do with science, maybe? Quote, is keto healthy for you? Probably not, especially in the long term. Okay, so is there any support for the notion that living in ketosis is not healthy long term? No, absolutely not. 
one single piece of scientific evidence. Not one on the entire planet in the history of mankind. So when she says, especially in the long term, <laughs> based on what? This is, I mean, this isn't even journalism. This just makes shit up as you go. Is there evidence of the health benefits or ketosis being healthy long-term? Yeah. Millions and millions of human beings in ketosis long-term who are incredibly healthy and disease-free. They're, they're, one of the great things about ketosis is once you flip into ketosis and the ketones start feeding your brain cells, uh, there is an increase in brain clarity. It's hard to describe to somebody who hasn't been there, done that, but that's just one attribute of the healthfulness that comes from ketosis, not just in the first week, not in the first month, not in the first year, but that accompanies you year after year after year after year in ketosis. It's with you all the time. It's fantastic. And yes, I've been in ketosis for years now. But Dave, those millions of people, those are just millions of anecdotes from individuals. George J. Stigler, Nobel Prize winner in economics, quote, the plural of anecdotes is evidence. Another little snippet of Sarah's. Unless you're vigilant about eating a ton of leafy green vegetables, you're limiting most of your fiber sources and missing out on some essential nutrients. Missing fiber. Hmm? Yeah. But needing fiber is a glucosis thing. When you're, that's the opposite of ketosis. That's when you're fueling the 100 trillion cells of your body with glucose. Um, when you're doing that, that, that's a toxic state for your body. And in that toxic state, fiber is, um, we'll say, recommended. However, when you're in ketosis, which dramatically alters how your body conducts its various functions, there's absolutely no need for dietary fiber. And the part about missing out on essential nutrients, yeah. So I eat no fruits and no vegetables. And as I mentioned before, my numbers across the board, I take a blood test, I get a gajillion different things tested, my numbers come back, they are supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. They are absolutely fantastic. Which, how is that even possible if I'm missing all of these <clears throat> essential nutrients? The next one, <laughs> just wow. <laughs> Keto might not be great for your metabolism either. It seems like a good idea to burn off your body fat. Seems like a good idea. Okay. But when you stop producing glucose and switch to ketone bodies, you, you're also straining your liver and kidneys your whole body is designed to run on carbs, and the benefits you get from decreasing body fat won't necessarily outweigh the downsides of eating mostly fats. The American Heart Association and the American Diabetic Association have both stated that low-carb diets can be dangerous to people with cardiovascular disease or diabetes, especially if they're prone to high lipid levels. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. I'm going to take them one at a time. So the first part, when you stop producing glucose and switch to ketone bodies, you're also straining your liver and kidneys. Okay, so how much evidence is there that you're straining your kidneys? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? If you said zero, you would be correct. 
there is not one stitch of scientific evidence that living in ketosis harms or stresses or strains or whatever the damn word is your kidney or debilitates in any way or diminishes kidney function. There's not one shred of evidence on the planet Earth. Popular science, again, should involve science. How about that liver thing? What, what was the quote here? Uh, you're also straining your liver and kidneys. We addressed kidneys, the liver. Okay, so AST and ALT are enzymes, which are produced when the liver is struggling in some way or other. Uh, ALT and AST are easily detected by a blood test. High numbers of, of either uh, or both are considered indicative of the fact that your liver is struggling. There is some problem there. So, what do we know from the blood tests of people who have high ALT or AST or both prior to living in ketosis, who then switch into ketosis and then months, months and months later have their blood test taken and what happens to their AST and ALT numbers? Yeah, you probably already guessed, right? They plunge. <laughs> um, they go way down into the normal. Usually they end up in the bottom half of normal. And that verifies that the liver no longer is struggling. It has resumed healthy functioning because the person went into ketosis. From that long paragraph, your whole body is designed to run on carbs. <laughs> Exactly the opposite. I talk about this at length in body science. I dedicate an entire chapter to it. The fact that our bodies are genetically coded to eat overwhelmingly, primarily animal flesh, and that there is no part of our genetic coding that requires a single gram of carbs ever. In other words, if a human being was born, and then from the day they were born, they lived, say, 100 years, and then they died on their 100th birthday and they never had a single gram of carbohydrates that entire time, they would be, throughout that entire 100 years, absolutely healthy. There is zero requirement for carbs. And in fact, the body will accommodate carbs, but does not genetically want carbs. Earlier, I mentioned essential fatty acids and essential amino acids. So there are uh, 20 genetic amino acids. There's many, many more than that in the world. But as far as our bodies are concerned, there's 20. Nine of them are essential. Essential means your body cannot produce them. It cannot take various chemicals from around the body, put them together, and use enzymes, and then create that particular amino acid. So there's, there's 20 amino acids as far as our human physiology is concerned. Nine of the 20 are essential. Other mammals have the enzymes to create those amino acid, those essential amino acids. Uh, we call them essential because we can't make them because uh, homo sapiens don't have that enzyme. There are two fatty acids that are essential. So where can you get all of them? Take a single thing that you can eat. Okay, I'm going to eat this, whatever this is. I'm going to eat this, and I'm going to get all of the essential amino acids that I need and all of the essential fatty acids that I need. If you were thinking meat, you were absolutely right. All you have to do, for instance, sit down in the morning and have a steak every morning. You'll have all the essential amino acids and all the essential fatty acids you need. And so how many essential carbs are there? Yeah, that would be zero. 
returning to the portion where she says the benefits you get from decreasing body fat won't necessarily outweigh the downsides of eating mostly fat. Now, the words outweigh the downside is linked to a report by the American College of Cardiologists. So let me ask you a question. I said, if you live in ketosis, you won't have chronic disease. You won't have heart disease. You won't have insulin resistance. You won't have diabetes and so forth. So let's just focus on heart disease for a moment, the American College of Cardiologists. Uh, what do you think they're going to say? Because if we could suddenly wave a magic wand and all 330 million Americans adopted ketosis tomorrow, other than genetic issues, which are a tiny, 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 tiny percentage of what cardiologists deal with today, other than that, cardiologists would have to go get another job. It, it would utterly destroy financially, revenue-wise, the cardiology field. So, of course, they're going to say, oh, it's not healthy to stay in ketosis. Sure, it's not healthy. I agree with them. It's not healthy for them, for their pocketbooks, for their careers. But as far as heart disease, yeah, it is incredible. It is the most healthy thing you can do in your life to avoid various chronic diseases, most specifically heart diseases, to live in ketosis. As Upton Sinclair famously said, it is difficult to get a man to understand the truth when his job depends on not understanding it. And this sentence, the American Heart Association and the American Diabetic Association have stated that low-carb diets can be dangerous to people with cardiovascular disease or diabetes, especially if they're prone to high lipid levels. Okay, so the American Heart Association and the American Diabetic Association. If you want to age prematurely, get chronic disease, die decades earlier than you have to, and be sick and miserable during the time, the, the latter years of your life, uh, up until you do die prematurely, then what you want to do is you want to take the advice of the American Heart Association and the American Diabetic Association. They don't exist for your health. They exist for the doctors and the procedures and the big pharma drugs and everything that comes with doing the wrong thing. As a journalist myself, who prides myself on being factually accurate, uh, if I was in Sarah's shoes, I, man, the embarrassment level. I, I had trouble looking myself in the mirror. In order for Sarah to do have done something different, she would have had to ask herself, what if the establishment narrative on all of this is not factual? What if the establishment narrative exists for the revenue interests of doctors, hospitals, outpatient clinics, uh, drug labs, big pharma, and so forth? What, what if that whole entire construct uh, to the tune of trillions of dollars, what if the establishment narrative is meant to sustain that, to protect that, to preserve that, and it has nothing to do with health? Had she thought like that, she might have discovered body science, and she would have read through it, and she would have found actual science, not nonsense on the internet. Her story would have been completely different. But instead, she just ran with the establishment narrative. And I think if you've experienced the world for the last 18 months, as I sit here filming this in late July 2021, yeah, you know the establishment narrative is in serious question, and if you see it as questionable in regard to the last 18 months, perhaps then that opens your eyes to the fact that it might be seriously questionable to a whole lot of things. Which brings me to the conclusion, if you would like to know the 
actual, real, live facts, not the BS establishment narrative like Sarah was pitching here. Do yourself a favor. Go to drreality.news. Pick yourself up a copy of Body Science. We've been talking about physiology here. I, my word, my word to you, you will be blown away. Read the reviews on the website. Do not take my word for it. Um, by the way, I have never received a review that I have not posted, just so you know. These are all genuine, authentic reviews. There are some other books there you might have an interest in. They do the same thing. They take the establishment narrative. They say, okay, here's what the establishment has said. Let's take this one apart and look at it. Is that factual? Hmm, turns out it's not. Let's take the next element. Is that factual? Let's take it apart and look at it. Eh, turns out it's not factual either. So if you take apart all the constituent elements and none of them are factual, then the narrative itself cannot be factual, correct? Uh, I don't know whether you value facts, evidence, data, and truth. I do. If you do, go to drreality.news. Take a look around and get yourself something.